It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Shutdown Fullcast. This is our season recap. We, we get to do this once a year because the season ends, and it ended last night. Great intro. How'd it go? Did it? Was it good? Was it fun? Did everyone enjoy that? Did y'all have a good time? I had a good time. Yeah, I thought it was good. I thought it was really good. Yeah, Alex, we're being joined by Alex Kirshner. Uh, young Alex, did you have a good time? I had the best time. <laughs> Ryan, you sound so handsome. <laughs> and your voice in the fields of the internet that booming baritone coming out of ryan are you sick or something a <laughs> little bit are you not at the end of that i'm 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 i got clemson fever i got the orange fever <laughs> and the purple fever it's so it makes me so sick to see alabama disappoint like this and it and I'd be lying because there's nothing better than when Alabama disappoints. It just makes you so warm inside. The machine fails. It's like, it's like watching. It's honestly, man, it's like watching. Every time this happens, it's like watching, you know, AI gone wrong. And that's always delightful, right? It's like watching a robot fall off a cliff. It's beauty. A robot definitely not designed to fall off cliffs a robot designed not to fall off cliffs at all costs right who then falls off a cliff right like oh it's impossible this robot never falls off cliffs like the opposite of a heat-seeking missile a cliff avoiding robot yeah that goes whoa what do i do when i actually see a cliff which sounds like the most pointless machine you could possibly invent but It's like watching it's like watching the tedious, study first, hardworking, careerist, valedictorian of your class completely self-immolate in the real world. It's the best. Because Alabama did all the studying, didn't they? Yeah, they did. How ironic for Bama to be brought low after having done all the reading. <laughs> I don't think Tua was doing too much reading last night. Not accurately, at least. Um, I got a football question, and I know that's – I'm prefacing that because this is the shutdown full cast, so I know that it's odd for me to have a football question. Um, but something that uh, Boss Man and I were throwing around earlier that I want to throw out to our, uh, our, our Kennesaw and, and D.C. contingents. Did this uh, – given, given the evolution, the recent evolution of both the Clemson and the Bama teams – that we saw last night. 
did this in its own way kind of put paid to the notion of the past few years of you can't out Bama Bama? What you got, Alex? And also, you don't have to mute your mic because, you know, what are you going to do? Have bad audio? Yeah, please. You guys, I, I thought that I thought that our standards were, were higher. We're, we're higher on this show for, for audio quality. Alex is new, everybody. He'll learn. <laughs> um, well, I thought that Alabama might have outbammed Bama a little bit, like when they tried to have the kicker lead block, like the future first round NFL defensive tackle. Did that happen? But How interesting. Did. I, I I thought that Bama was too relentlessly itself. Like, they say be yourself, but I think Bama needed to, I would say fake it until you make it, except that would actually, that wouldn't really, I mean, that wouldn't in context work because the fake was a really bad idea. Right. But I, I felt that Bama attempted to overpower Clemson in ways that it couldn't because Clemson is bigger and badder in some ways. Can I offer a defense of that fake field goal call? Clemson did. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, my defense of this fake field goal call is that what were they going to do? Make a 40-yard field goal? <laughs> <laughs> I think in that situation, you got to punt. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I had a couple different kind of thought paths that I was meandering down about not being able to out Bama Bama, which is, A, I thought it was interesting that Clemson – uh, out Bama Bama without uh, a quarterback, without using the Manziel model. Uh, it helps if you have a, a preternaturally kid who's seven feet tall mm-hmm. and can wing it way over the heads of where uh, your defense is used to having to go to get the ball. But this is, I don't know, this is maybe a longer conversation. This is maybe uh, an, a longer off season conversation, but the thing that, the thing I think where Clemson made up the most ground in Alabama and Bama is the level of institutional control and capital that have been poured into this program over the past couple of years. Like it's not like they're plucky upstarts that, that caught a lucky break. They have the level of commitment from the university and the athletic department to doing this. Uh, that That's what got them there. I will also, I will also state that it's very hard to win period when the other team is rolling sixes. Like, they're just, like, they... Clemson, I think, was something like 9 for 12 on third down. And whenever they hit... They did nothing on first and second down. There was There was a point at, like, 16-14 where I was honestly expecting the turn, right? Like, I'm expecting at this point... Because Trevor looked a little shaky early out. And I kind of thought, well... You know, th- this is it. This was super entertaining, and I'm glad we got this moment. But, oh, ho-hum, here we go. And Clemson starts getting breaks. Yeah, they get they get a pass interference call. They get a false start on Alabama when they're on the one. And I'm not saying that the officials won this game. By the way, I, I looked over today, and I was like, the refs must be a Big Ten crew. As Punch said, how do you know? And I was like, well, nobody complained about them. Didn't get yeah. Didn't really get much on that all. They were night. they were pretty invisible all night, which I really appreciated after some of the other shit that's gone on this year. But Clemson Clemson got breaks in the form of Alabama mistakes and capitalized on them. Which man, when's the last time we got to see somebody do something that basic against that team? That was success. It usually goes the other way if you're dealing with Alabama, just because they get the benefit of the doubt on calls because. I mean, they don't do anything wrong, right? Why would they do anything wrong or stupid? They did the reading. To me, it sort of felt like even more than out Bama in Bama, which I, I kind of feel like the last team to, to win a game in that style was probably Ohio State in 2014 when they just were going to line up and run over you. Um, yeah, I guess I was thinking about different different definitions of out Bama in Bama because I feel like they did that in, in multiple aspects. This is what I was trying to get at. Well, I think you could call this out 2018 Bama-ing. Yeah. <laughs> 2018 Bama, you know? Uh, let's take the two it throws at deep model and let's throw it to possibly even better receivers. Um, to me, this was like, it was almost a combination of every genre of Bama loss all at once. Yeah, because they, they found a way to do this without, you know, the unconventional wisdom for a couple of years now has been, well, the Manziel model. Is, is the way to beat Bama. And Clemson does have a transformative quarterback, but just in a different way. 
and he barely got hit all night. Like he wasn't running around. He wasn't really, he wasn't really avoiding that many sacks. He didn't get sacked at all. Zero, zero sacks. Zero. Like this wasn't a dude squirreling around and you need a mobile quarterback to beat Nick. No, no you need a really good quarterback who can throw it to six, five guys who can catch anything. Who coaches that line at Clemson? Oh, that'd be that'd be the turkey baster himself, Robbie Caldwell. Got glasses up to to the godfather of turkey insemination. Who glasses of what? Of <laughs> wild turkey. What do you think? Okay. Come on. <laughs> ain't no ain't no wilder turkey than the one that's got insemination on his mind. <laughs> we love that's you, Robbie. True. We're sorry Clemson we're sorry Clemson never lets you talk to the media because God we miss you. He ain't now. This was this was a speaking cool of way. horny turkeys. Yeah, <laughs> Segway. Um, I this is by the way a great a great moment for Robbie Caldwell because every time I'd go to SEC media days, if you ask somebody, "Hey, what's the unit in the SEC that you know nobody really talks about that they should?" It was always like Bobby Johnson's offensive lines. Like everybody was like. Yeah, man, Vandy's offensive line is way better than they should be. <laughs> this was back in the days when, like, we were feeling sorry for Jay Cutler because he had nobody to throw to. Yeah, yeah. And the only reason we would notice that is because of how long he got to stand up. Yeah, because <laughs> those lines were real dang good. A lot of time to pout. There's, yeah. So th- there's a lot of of, uh, of footage of Jay Cutler standing around. It's kind of the last thing he was ever known for in football. Like, hey, Jay, yeah, go out there and run this fake. <laughs> Just stand there. But, yeah, it used to be part of the actual offense, just waiting for anyone to come open. And, well, you don't have to do that at Clemson because there's, you know, two, at least maybe three guys who can all make circus catches. That's another thing. Like, Alabama's wide receivers actually had some drops, and their timing wasn't ever quite right with Tua because he was being pressured. That's especially apparent in the second half if you watch it. Like, Tua is not comfortable. They only sack him twice, but he's pressured something like six times. He throws two picks. He makes bad reads. He's not comfortable there, especially when in the second half they don't score at all. Not on the first possession, which, of course, ends with uh, the hilarity of the fake field goal. But um, where the long snapper – the long snapper, by the way, this is my favorite thing. Somebody goes, yeah, well, if the long snapper made a block. <laughs> like that's his job. I haven't looked it up. The long slap – the long slapper. The long snapper looks like though he's about 180 max. Mm-hmm. Uh, just from from the angle that we were looking at but here's the man we keep coming back to this play but I want to talk about something else about this play no one executing the the key roles on Bama's side on this play looks as though they think this is going to work either yeah no 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 in fact when the kicker who's used as the lead blocker goes in if you check the film he hits Christian Wilkins the guy he's supposed to block and he, he puts out his hands like no <laughs> No, no. Christian Wilkins is like, no. hold up there, Sonny. Be sure you want to do this. <laughs> like, you can see him. You can see this big old grin. Yeah. He would have gotten back to the line. He would have gotten back to the line of scrimmage at best. Like, he could he could have, if he could have ruffled that young man's hair. Yeah. He, he would have. have. Yeah, like, aw. One of my favorite parts about the replay of the uh, play of the year is – First of all, Clemson is in a, a field goal safe formation. They are not trying to block this thing. Clemson is anticipating a fake. Um, <laughs> and you, <laughs> you can look, and after the thing is like immediately snuffed out right at the line, after the 204-pound kicker is buried by a first-rounder, uh, yeah. there's like multiple Clemson linebackers just pointing at where the kicker might have been if he had somehow made it through that guy. Like, oh, yeah, watch out for him. Okay, he's not there. Play's over. <laughs> like, th- like they were completely on top of this thing. I don't know how you 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 possess the foresight to think Nick Saban might try an awful fake field goal, <laughs> but the Lord granted them with that prophecy, y'all. They had that vision. And was it the long snapper who went into the post game availability and was like, "Yeah, we got the look we wanted." <laughs> <laughs> It was either him or the kicker. Which both of whom, by the way, were library crossing guards. I hope it was the kicker. My time to shine. (laughs) All I saw was red and I was going to lay a motherfucker out. He's not wrong that it was his time to shine. but We got to be very specific when we're wishing on these haunted amulets. The most insulting thing about Clemson in the second half, besides letting the butterscotch stallion himself, Trevor Lawrence, run all over you, they held the ball for something like the last 10 minutes of the game. 
you know, noted. They po- turned them into Kansas State. Yeah, noted, noted possession offense, uh, Clemson, right? Not only did they do that, Hunter Renfro starts picking up passes, which is just salt in the wound because if there's no more triggering figure on that offense prior to this game, it's, <laughs> it's the walk-on wide receiver who caught a national championship winning touchdown against Alabama out of the slot. And then they just start peppering Hunter Renfro with passes. Like, hey, remember that? Y'all now remember we, this guy? Now we're just playing the greatest hits. <laughs> <laughs> and now yeah, we're going to send the offensive you. line that crushed you all game out to thunderous applause. Oh, yeah. This is, Five targets for 10 yards. Uh, like a, but the most devastating two yards of target performance. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just an insult. Psychological warfare. <laughs> this is feeding back into what I, was, what I was talking about earlier about how I – one of the things that I really appreciate about this game is that it was in no way close. Like, I appreciated the blowout for obvious aesthetic reasons, but also – I think it's going to force a conversation about how Dabo likes to treat this team as like, oh, we're just little old Clemson. No, this team is as corporate and as controlled and as finely machined uh, as he and a whole bunch of other rich people know how to make it. And I hope that doesn't get lost in the conversation that like, man, all these weird and wild things happen. Yeah, but a whole, you know, millions of dollars and, and, months and years of of preparation went into the making of this like last night was last night was amazing and it was astonishing but it wasn't an accident on the touchdown that sends Clemson up to 43 before the extra point right the final touchdown of the game the touchdown pass to T Higgins who again T Higgins my favorite kind of wide receiver because cannot catch a wide open five-yard curl However, can catch a 38-yard acrobatic one-armed catch downfield with a stray dog who ran out of the field clinging to his leg, right? That's, that's the best kind of wide receiver. That's T. Higgins. Go back and watch that to see what Trevor Lawrence was capable of doing and how good he is and what a physical advantage he has just being that tall and having that strong an arm. Because when he puts that ball up, he is throwing it with two defenders in tow who he has to clear and one who he has to throw on the top of, Mac Wilson, who if you'll watch, Mac Wilson on that throw is at full vert. He is at least two and a half feet off the ground and full extension with the arm. And Lawrence throws over him. And Higgins goes up and gets it because that's what he does. He gets very difficult catches in traffic and he's extremely good at it. This is a great season recap. But just getting that ball there? Yeah. Does oh it mean my that you God. keep talking about this until next season? Yeah. Okay. All right. No. I'm just making sure. This is the only thing that happened all season. Yeah. You know what? Point taken. Carry I mean, on. we talked for four months about how, okay, two teams are, are, are standing astride the rest of the country. You know, every, every other team has four losses. You know, every team is clearly flawed. These are the, you know, we, we could have simmed to the title game three months ago. You know what? Maybe we did. I don't really remember anything else other than Bama getting its ass kicked. You know what? We owe, de- we owe Clemson a debt of gratitude, too, that I don't think has been articulated yet. Guys, we're not going to hear anything else about how Georgia should have been in this playoff. <laughs> Woo! Woo! Which, uh, that, that was something Alex was saying since the very beginning. Like, Georgia, <laughs> what a lucky draw. You didn't have to play Clemson. You know, George, I think that the only people who were owned – more than I was when I said that Georgia is the real winner of the offseason because they get to beat Texas by like 30 points or whatever and then pretend that Clemson would not have done that to them. The only people who were owned worse than that were Georgia fans who like before that they were like sending like, you know, I'm not going to say they were sending death threats, but it was like, you know, kill yourself, like, you know, your yeah, family. we're from Georgia. We know what you're talking about. All right. And, and – I mean, it's half right. I mean, Clemson might have beaten them by like forty-eight instead of thirty. <laughs> but, but I mean, I think they are still winners for for having to get. You know, I'd rather lose to Texas by seven in the Sugar Bowl than have whatever Clemson would have done to them. Like that would have been a dismemberment. Well, what is it? What one hundred and seventeen FBS teams didn't have to play Clemson? Something like that. One hundred sixteen. Yeah. Something like that. They're all winners. Yeah. The biggest winners. Holly, to what you're saying, I think Clemson is football. Toys R Us. You know, like they're, just like, they're very, they're very fun. They have, they have a slide in their facility, but like they'll lay you off and not pay you severance, you know, like if they have to, Damn. like they'll, they'll be very ruthless with you. Um, and in this case, 
you know, laying you off and not paying you severance is putting the head coach's son in motion on a jet sweep while you're up 28 with four minutes left in the championship. So they're, they're very, very ruthless. I mean, I think they're as ruthless as it gets. I think that's a great point. Maybe they're like uh, football Nintendo. Yeah. Like they're super fun, super popular. Uh, when they do something, they do it the best. But at the same time, they'll be like, yeah, that, that uh, very popular 8-bit machine, it's gone. Bye. You can't get any more. We're done. Next. I thought my favorite thing about this game was how you can look at so many of those little moments, so many of those things that usually when Bama loses, that is the thing that it came down to, like Johnny Manziel throwing some bullshit pass or a Ole Miss doink off a helmet or Steven Garcia blacking out and throwing touchdowns or, you know, um, uh, Oklahoma Trevor, whatever his name was. I can't remember. I, don't, I only got room in my mind for one Trevor. The other Trevor, Trevor Knight. Trevor Knight suddenly turning into, you know, uh, Johnny Unitas. Like, all these fluky little weird, unreplicable things that happen when Bama loses, there were like 30 of those things in this game. So many to the point that it's like, okay, take out half of that shit, you know? Say Bama kicks the field goal. Uh, Say a couple of those pass interference calls that could have been called got called. Uh, Say they hit the extra point. Um, You know, say there's no false start. Tua doesn't throw a pick six. Tua doesn't throw an arm punt. Uh, just, just he only makes one of those crazy catches. Take all that shit away. Cool. Clemson still won, maybe by more than a touchdown. Like, it was so overwhelming. And I mean, just just basic numbers. Clemson outplayed Bama yards per play basis. The most simple stat you can get. Clemson outplayed Bama, and then you add in all this other stuff. Insane. The thing Bill wrote today um, about how Bama had like, it was like 44 wins on first down plays, like by success rate to like 18 or something like that. I mean, it's, it's in that ballpark. Like they won like more than two thirds of the first down plays. And then they were pretty even on the other downs. Then on third downs, they just got molly whooped out of the building. Like it was just awful on third downs. And that was the whole deal. Yeah, I thought Bill's point about third downs was very, very key. Like, obviously, they were like it was the first name thing Nick Saban talked about in post game. Uh, we're very pleased with our achievements this season. We won the Orange Bowl, and oh my God, they killed us on third down. Uh, and and Bill's stat about how you know Bama won first down on the game, offense and defense all together. Bama won first down. Bama won second down. Clemson won third down. To an insane degree. Like, that's when the 37-yarder, the 62-yarder, the 74-yarder happened. Yeah, like, if if it was lottery ticket time, buy them all. Because you would have won twice. That's how how rare what they did was, and that's how good they were on third down. And it wasn't, you know, it's almost, there were, I think, 28 third down plays in this game. And just by success rate from Bill, Bam, or Clemson won 19 of them. And, yeah, and, and that doesn't even explain half of it because you, know, you have all those, like, 80-yard pass plays or whatever it was um, where Bama just got out-athleted for the first time in, like, modern history. I mean, I, that, was, that was the most stunning thing for me was just that, you know, and Saban talked about this too, but they just, like, I don't think they're used to having one-on-ones and, and losing them. And he said he was worried about it before the game, which is crazy. Um, because they never lose those, but they lost so many of them all in third down. I've only seen I've only seen a couple of athletes win one on one with Bama consistently across the course of an entire big game. You know, Mike Evans at Texas A and M was one. Go back and watch the second Manziel game, the one that A and M loses in College Station, where Mike Evans is catching balls over kids like 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 they're his kids, like they're his children. Um, that was magnificent. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott and the Ohio State offensive line, they did on the ground what Clemson managed to do through the air because in pass pro, like it's not like Clemson moved a whole lot on the ground, but in pass protection, they were seamless, man. They got nothing. If Quinnian Williams had a jump on a run play, it, it was generally pretty bad for Clemson. If he had a jump on a pass play, it didn't matter. He wasn't able to get anything. Also, like I, I think Bugs was injured, right? I, I do not think he was 100% on the left side of Bama's defensive line. What? Can you imagine Bama having secret injuries 
that like we didn't know about and I mean no those they come out after the season no they go on a list they're, they're it's supposed to be publicly dis- disclosed Jason so mm-hmm. yeah let's see what it's, uh donbest.com oh it's it's already done oh damn donbest.com is cleared out for the season now the season's officially over oh no shit there goes all our medical data <laughs> i was going to i was going to ask uh just just around the table like Alex, what was what were like two of the games that you go? Okay, this is what I enjoyed watching. This was actually worth this whole season. Well, number one would be Ohio State Purdue. Um, <laughs> Why? What happened? Yeah, Ohio State played a, a a strong road game in a, a Big Ten West uh, hostile environment on on national TV, as they do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I had a great time watching the Valdosta State Ferris State. Division two game in that like strip mall of a high school stadium in, <laughs> in Texas. Uh, that was the game where where a defensive back on one of the teams like left out of bounds, caught the ball and tried to like basketball save it so his teammate could call timeout, but then he threw it to a dude on the other team who caught it in the end zone. And if that had happened to like an SEC team in a big game, that would have been like we would have there would have been a thirty for thirty about it. Like it would have just been. Like, if that had happened to Alabama-Clemson, it would have been unbelievable. It was unbelievable in this. So, I, I love those two games. How about you, Jason? Uh, if I had to pick two, uh, let's see. I, I'll, I won't talk about this, but obviously, Kennesaw State's five overtime victory over Jacksonville State must go on Woo-hoo! anyone's list. I know. Please do. Hoo-hoo! Uh, Army-Oklahoma. <laughs> Damn it. You took up mine. You made a money or something? Or? That guy's feet. Well, not yet. Not not only was it the ultimate victory for uh, my personal favorite gambling uh, strategy. Uh, yeah, I, we've talked about that game several times, and we'll probably will again. But um, that that to me was the most college football thing of the entire season. It didn't even have a fucking broadcast. <laughs> it was amazing. Yes, it did. It did. You, you had to <laughs> you had to go find it, like even beyond Pac-12 network levels. Are there, is there anybody who, who, who live streams the Pac-12 network sl- slash their own feet? Probably that same guy. I just imagine he's sitting somewhere in Oklahoma just with the periscope constantly open, right? Yeah. Hey, y'all got, got the Cal OSU soccer on and my feet. <laughs> and my feet. I'll show you my feet. I just need to see enough retweets. Got the there there they are. That's, yeah, that's a compression hose. <laughs> but yeah, if you missed it, if you missed it, there was a guy who brought the world Army Oklahoma despite it being a pay-per-view by streaming it on Periscope, pointing his phone at the camera, and occasionally going, Sooners got this. You get that trash out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was amazing. <laughs> Do you guys remember this? There were two stream games. There was Army Oklahoma, and then there was back in week two when Florida State was about to lose to Samford, I believe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that happened. Yeah, and, and we were all just furiously looking for it. And then by the time I found it, you know, like so I think Florida State scored with like a minute left to avoid losing to Jimbo and, Bo- and Bobby Bowden's school. And it was, it was demoralizing because by the time the stream caught up, it had been spoiled for me. But that was tough. It's fun when there's uh, one of those games that everyone's watching, but like on their phones or whatever. And you have this, I remember this happened for army Oklahoma. I had the sense that I was the only person on earth making gifts of it. It was <laughs> like, I, I, I felt like I was a historian. Like I must chronicle this moment for posterity. <laughs> like, uh, the, the other one for me is the cheese it bowl. The, the, <laughs> the greatest piece of shit I've ever seen. Like we listen, it's time for the Mia culpa. I don't think we've talked about this game on here yet. If we have, who cares? Yeah. Whatever. No one remembers. Uh, all the shit we talked about, cheese it, man. Listen, all, all is well. All is well. They you, didn't you, sponsor us, but in a way, they were sponsoring us the whole time. They yeah. sponsored the most shut down full cast bowl <laughs> in recent memory. I would say in the past decade, since that wouldn't include Pitt, this Oregon State. I love that they're not speak its name. That's it. The, 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 forbidden, the forbidden fruit of the cheese it bowl. Are you going to take that title from the first responder bowl for real? <laughs> yeah, I guess the one that didn't actually happen is the most shutdown forecast. Yeah, the cheese, the cheese it bowl, the cheese it bowl featured my favorite sequence of substitutions and plays when TCU's quarterback 
was playing so badly they inserted a guy who hadn't played for a year and a half and who had drop foot. You know, the condition where you can't actually, like, work your foot that well, the one that Stone Cold Steve Austin got after 20 years of wrestling and wrestling-related injuries. Yeah, they put in a quarterback who got drop foot. Cal immediately sent a blitzer because that's what you do in football. Hey, that guy's crippled. We should blitz him. And they sent in a linebacker. And the linebacker bounced off of the guy like a Super Bowl off of a hardwood floor. Just, boom, just right off of him somehow. And he scrambled to the sideline and uh, then left the game one play later. Magnificent. That was it. He came in to prove that he was actually immortal and could withstand all injury but not deal any out and then left. And this was after like 18 insane things. I think this was after seven (laughs) interceptions. (laughs) <laughs> and this was like before like the announcer said like he barely has control of his feet and you look at him running around like and yet he's playing football <laughs> that's how bad the other guy was it's not called feet ball <laughs> can, I, can i remind you about drop feet i'd be more worried about drop hands mm-hmm. my my sorry my favorite ending to a game was west virginia texas no, you took mine. Okay, Jason took one of mine and you took the other one. That means you got to take one of Alex's. Yeah, all right. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, I, I love the ending of that game because uh, Hogo comes out and I believe they're going for two. You're going to steal Valor from my ancestral team like this. Uh, well, I mean, because you'll hear why. So Hogo, one, has my future hairstyle. And two, uh, Dana Holgerson made one of my favorite calls of the year by – I believe wasn't it a late timeout that that killed the first shot at this play? And we were sitting there, we were watching this together, and we were sitting there, and we were both screaming. I'm just like, call it again, Dana. And guess what? Yeah, it was. Uh, wasn't it Tom Herman iced the two point try or something like that? Yeah, but you can't ice Petty. Yeah, and uh, the the signal for the play was horns down. Was the whole play? This was the one where on the sideline. Uh, Dana Holgerson was overheard by multiple people saying, let's go fucking win the game. No, that's what he said to Will. Oh, that's, yeah. like, no, that's what he, as he was sending Greer out on the field, he was like, you want to go win the game? Let's go fucking win the game. <laughs> All right. That's good. Good job. I'm going to leave for Houston. Bye. Hey, no, I'm sensitive. Well, then you had, after that, you had West Virginia adopting horns down as this thing. To the point where Oklahoma fans are like, all right, this is cool, but like, seriously, that's, that's our thing. <laughs> After which, Jason had the marvelous idea to just have all of college football adapt that as our own fan signal. Yeah, it, everyone liked it. Like, even Texas fans were like, oh, we're living rent-free in your head. I guess we are back. Pew, pew, pew. Texas and Notre Dame really got to play every year, man. They got a lot more in common than they think they do. They like the idea of living rent-free in people's heads. To own huh? the libs. I actually started horns downing on the streets of Washington, D.C., which is probably the worst <laughs> city to do it in. Um, I mean, unless you're like probably like in like the House of Representatives building on a very southern floor. I don't mm-hmm. think anyone's gotten it yet, but we'll get there. No, just do that. Just do that and roll tide and see how many people you can confuse. They're probably. I'm, I'm going to go look that up on the internet. Man, today was there. a really weird day for people like me who say roll tide as other people might say aloha. <laughs> it, it feels a little funny. It means hello, goodbye, and I'm going to slash your tires. I also really enjoyed, and this is strictly personal, I loved Florida LSU. Florida LSU was one of the first times I've had hope for Florida football in a long time. It was a game that we probably in the past would have lost, and we somehow managed to hold on to win. And after all, LSU beat Georgia, so we must be really good right now because Georgia deserved to be at the playoff. And I understand that that makes us a playoff team as well. Well, did you see the final AP poll? Oh, no, go ahead. I have not yet. Uh, guess which two teams <laughs> happened to tie at number seven? Florida and Georgia. <laughs> number seven is the Florida-Georgia line. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the game didn't even happen. <laughs> what game? Yeah, what game? I'm exactly. Sorry. Florida, Georgia in the first responder bowl. Boy, wouldn't that be apt? <laughs> first responder. No, bowl. no, they don't. They don't believe in paying taxes for firefighters. <laughs> Responding to what and first in doing what? That's what I want to know. Technically, the first responder is the arsonist. Yeah, that's true. 
Come on. It's like Ryan is speaking with my voice. <laughs> it's upsetting. Channeling Ryan Nanny. Don't love it. Don't yeah. love this feeling. Yeah, but I, I enjoyed that because I enjoyed that in the Peach Bowl, but that's because I went to the Peach Bowl and actually watched Florida win. So that was part six of our Peach Bowl recap part commences six. now. The part six. Who were uh, we all playing in that game? We were playing Michigan. How interesting. That was really good. Yeah. Oh, so that's Michigan, Michigan blew a big game? Yeah, that's a consistent top six S&P performer, is what I kept saying to myself. And that's a real burn on opposing fans. That's the fans. game where you gator chomped a child. I did gator chomp a child. I did. And I almost got into a fight with a guy who looked like the lead singer of my morning jacket. But I did. <laughs> that was where I invited a man to come down we and really see We really are him. just going to keep talking about yeah. the peach bowl. All right. <clears throat> Harbaugh's going to – he's finally getting his guys in there this year, though. <laughs> Harbaugh yeah. just needs time for his system to develop, and he, he needs time to I, – I can't even finish this joke. I think he's got Ohio State right where he wants him. He's, uh, yes. he's, he's shipping down all his defensive coaches as plants. They're all spoiled. They're all spoilt. They're going to corrupt the entire coaching staff. Is he bringing in any offensive coaches? Is that <sighs> enough, about, enough about that side of the ball. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that was one. That was one of the more bitter things to watch was watching Michigan line up at its best shot yet against Ohio State and then get wiped off the face of the planet. <laughs> now man, I'm sad. Man, Michigan yeah. looked like Alabama out there. <laughs> no, no, no. Michigan scored in the second half. Oh, right. Sorry. Yeah. How <laughs> dast you, sir? Also, didn't try a fake field goal where the. Uh, where the, the holder and kicker formed a, a two-man game. Um, we just really want finger sound in big moments. Does, does, anyone have, um, does anyone have Texas A&M LSU on the board? Uh, no, not at the moment. Oh, we, we need it on there. The second 7 OT game? The one featuring the, the tussling and a brawling with one uh, member of the Fisher clan at the end? Allegedly. No, it's probably it's pretty confirmed at this point. Yeah. We should, we should call them the gang, right? The Fisher or the Fisher Boys. The Fisher Boys. The Fisher Boys. <sighs> Soon they'll be fishermen. God damn it, Jason. <laughs> yeah, that game had everything. It had Coach O drinking weirdly out of his water bottle and sprinting down the sideline. It had uh, the Fisher Boys fighting with Kevin Falk afterwards. It had a victory dousing an hour and a half before that coach lost. <laughs> that, I totally forgot about that, and that might be my favorite single moment of the year. Just the big, wet, mad Coach O slowly drying. <laughs> Just steaming in that college station heat. Mm. I'm going to be real delicious by the end of this one. <laughs> I've been brined. <laughs> My favorite thing about that was the the Zapruder film that came out, like, I don't know, three, four days later. We were still talking about it three or four days later. Heck, uh, we're talking about it right and now. And it showed, beyond any shadow of a doubt, that the Fisher, the Fisher boy uh, was – he was a good guy. He was, he was a peacemaker. It was like mm. – like it was like a flashback in a in a movie where you find out that the villain was a good guy, like Snape in the last Harry Potter or something like that. He, he was whoa, he was, whoa, 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 wrongfully Spoilers. done. He was he was wrongfully done. I don't know. I I don't know if he was. I I I think you're ascribing him a, a bit too. Like, wasn't he? He's still shoving around an old man. No, yeah. or or at least at very least laying yeah. hands upon an old man. Perhaps hand laying hand. Like I agree. The the initial description that he punched. Uh, Steve Crackthorpe was a bit much, but still, still placing hands on on fellow fellow your fellow man. Yeah, it was a place. It was a place. I just see Steve Crackthorpe going to an attorney in Louisiana, going, "So I was assaulted," and like the attorney's like, "Was it by a big truck?" No, it was uh, <laughs> by a by a member of Jimbo Fisher's family. Was he a truck? Was it a big truck? Did you get hit by one of those? Mr. Big Trucks. So is every what is is this every judge in Louisiana is like a radio attorney ad? Yeah, and they're all and they all have it in 
for the innocent American trucking industry. Because if you t- turn on the like television or check any of the bus stop attorney ads in Louisiana, half of them are for like, did a big truck hurt you and your family? Truck fraud. <laughs> Which truck <I> divorce. <laughs> that truck called my wife names and slapped me in front of the entire parish. I feel like we may have done this on the show before, but what is the best crime with truck appended to it? <laughs> truck mm. mail fraud? Mm. Truck murder is pretty solid. Oh, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, that's, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, I, as much as I love arson, I feel like truck arson is actually too common in the real world to be real fun here. Truck racketeering? Trucketeering? Uh, trucketeering. That sounds fun. What about truck espionage? Ooh. I like that. Oh, 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 oh. Truck treason. Mm, I, got a, I got a good one. Truck impersonating an attorney. Truck, truck, truck treason's a baby name. Yeah, truck treason. Yeah, no, truck treason. That's a tight end for, let's see, South Alabama. <laughs> Just going to say, that's a South Alabama name if I've ever heard it. Um, I, was also, I was also immensely pleased uh, at the way, that, uh, the way that the season sort of peaked late. Is that a good way of putting it? Peaked late? That's fair. Very that's late. Fair. That's fair, yeah. and that's also not really a diss. No, 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 no. It had a banger. Had a banger of an ending. Took a minute, but otherwise, banger of an ending. Even if you know, we did finish. We did award college football's highest honor to a team in the traditional powerhouse of Santa Clara, California. Holly, what were you your two games of the year? Uh, I had Oklahoma Army and uh, West Virginia Texas, but just West Virginia in general. Um, I, uh, didn't really think after, you know, I feel like we spent most of the past seven years feeling like, Oh, this is probably it for Dana. And then one thing happens or the other. And this was, this was just a real fun team to watch, even with a normal human haircut. Uh, I liked Will Greer a lot more than I thought I would after he cut his hair. You know, I kind of thought that maybe he lost his way. Um, there were, there were, he had many special targets to watch. I've, I've always been uh, uh, I've been a big Tony Gibson fan for for several years. Just watching the with you know varying results as as it goes with love for things in this game. And I was real super sad when Dana decided to pull up stakes for Houston. But I love the Neil Brown hire. So I in in an era in which I have you know almost entirely decamped from my actual alma mater. My my ancestral team, I feel, has really stepped up in, in feeling, feeling the void of joy in my heart. And gosh, did they give me a lot of fun things to play with this year. <laughs> they, uh, they also did my favorite thing, which was uh, going go to bowl season in their conference, the Big 12. And, and somehow, this is always Hey, the we're sleepy. It's yeah. winter. It we're was, sleepy. We're mountain people, and we're sleepy. We're dormant. Just, Why did you? So I get through talking about how much joy this team is bringing up. You start bringing up bad stuff. Start bringing up old shit. That sounds like hater talk. You you got to give, I believe, Syracuse their first double digit win season. So Dino got something out of it. What the hell's wrong with you? Uh, I was trying to get to the point that the, that the Big Twelve performed really well in bowl season. Uh huh. You know, then that West except Virginia was, for West Virginia. Except for them, yeah. I um, just and. Oklahoma covered moment about how this team filled a void in my heart in a year in which my heart had several voids in it. And you are here to pee all over it. Like the giant unbroken house pet that you are house bear specifically. I'm sorry. Bears could be skinned for a pelt. You're a poor pelt, sir. (laughs) One star pelt. Poor pelt. Poor pelt. Poor, poor pelt. Poor, poor. Is comparing West Virginia to Tennessee like, uh, West Virginia is like the harmlessly interesting team. Like both of them, they're never boring. But with Tennessee, that can mean a lot of things. Like, is I, that it? Mm, I, I don't know. I grew up with both of them as, as such ambient factors that uh, I'm sorry I got distracted because Trevor Lawrence's hair was just flowing in slow motion on the screen. It happens. Yeah. Um, I would never call West Virginia harmlessly interesting, not for the past few years, because the way they play can swing games too quickly, and it's it's never good for the heart. 
Yeah, compared to Tennessee, though. If Tennessee has a true analog uh, in, in the Virginias, I think it's Virginia Tech. You know, I never thought of Virginia Tech in that way until I went to uh, Landover to Dan Snyder's parking lot. Oh, like, yeah, man. That, that West Virginia game like a year, yeah, two years ago, like two September's ago. Yeah. And I'll tell you, not a whole lot of distinguishable factors there between the two between the two sides. Is, Virginia Tech is a highly underrated fan base in terms of cussedness. Yeah, absolutely. I love them all the yeah. death. I wish we could play them. I wish either team would play Virginia Tech every year. Uh, I I just love going there. Uh, I love their fans, and uh, well, for a while there with Justin Fuente, I love their football team. We'll see what happens next year. And they sell, uh, yeah, because this was also the year where Virginia Tech lost to Old Dominion. Old Ooh. Dominion of all teams, who, who was dropping bombs on them in their high school-ass stadium on national TV. Yeah, Alex, I'm a longtime Beamer Ball hater. Like, Virginia Tech was once upon a time, like, the, the team that I wanted to watch least in the country. Like, I just, I found it completely devoid of anything that I felt like spending time on. And then, you know, then they pull Memphis as coach after the best Memphis run in ages. I'm like, ooh, and, and then this year happened. And, yeah. well, ain't my team. I do have a team of, I do have a team of the year. Like I, a team, I was I just thinking about this too, yeah. Yeah, I have a team of the year. And yeah. I had to randomly choose. What do you mean team of the year? Like the team, the team that I would watch every single week that was the most entertaining, that put on their best performance – possible that did something the program had either never done before and rarely done before and was an absolute blast every single week and that was the washington state cougars i would watch i would watch wazoo any week with gardner Minshew. yep they were so fun they uh even their losses were like wild they they lost by three to southern california they lost by i want to say two scores to was to washington but they were playing in a blizzard. <laughs> and they stayed true to themselves, damn it. That's what matters most. They kept passing in the middle of heavy snowfall. And they refused that, to log off. That's no, I will never log off of airaid.com. I will keep posting. <laughs> Just pasting mesh, mesh, mesh in <laughs> over and over and over again. But yeah, they were they were a blast. Even their bowl game was really fun. They ended up winning 28-26 over a game as hell Iowa State team. Yeah, no, this is just entertainment value all over the place, man. Wazoo. Bravo. Team of the year. Do you guys have any listeners in Norfolk, Virginia? Uh, yeah, tons. Yeah. If this you're if you're in uh Norfolk, Virginia right now, you tweet at Alex Kirshner. I just, if if I may, on this season recap podcast, I want to say that maybe my favorite team of the year was Old Dominion, which here's why they were bad. I mean, they were they were no holds barred, very bad. Uh, they went four and eight. One of their wins was against VMI, um, but their other three wins were beating Virginia Tech as like what, like a thirty-ish point dog. Yeah. Uh, beating North Texas after being down 28 nothing, and North Texas beat Arkansas by, like, 70. So that's a transitive SEC victory for them. And then they had the, the wildest game probably of the whole year, uh, which helped get Mike Sanford fired after all of two years at Western Kentucky, which was where they won by a field goal after, like – I mean, it's, it's, it's almost hard to describe it. So, like, they, they go down uh, a touchdown with, like, two minutes left. They tie the game with like eight seconds left, and then somehow, like with some dumbass roughing the passer penalty, let uh, WKU kick like a middling distance field goal to win the game. They, I think they iced that kick or something like that. I don't know. No, it was short. They had a penalty on it. They had like a a leaping penalty was what it was or something. I, I don't remember. Anyway, they wind up uh, after like multiple failed field goal attempts. Uh, returning, they almost kick six it, and they get face masks. I'm rambling at this point, but this game was rambling. After, like, an attempted kick six that falls short as time expires, they get an untimed down because of a face mask, and then they hit a field goal to win the game. It was, it was like, 15 plays in the last 97 seconds, six plays in the last nine seconds, three plays in the last zero seconds. So I appreciate you, Old Dominion, um, for your contributions to, to this season. Very weird. That's all we ask. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> I think if I could get any, if I could get one more game out of this season, like I don't need, you know, like Ohio State to log on and get a shot at Clemson. I'm satisfied with Clemson. I don't need a playoff level game. Uh, I would take, you know, Louisville versus North Dakota State in a relegation game. That would be a delight. But like for an actual good game that I would love to watch, Appalachian State. Shit, hang on. Motherfucker. <laughs> My mic did the thing. Of course. Yeah, we can. Excellent. Anyway. Army Appalachian State. <laughs> I feel like I joked about that like every time a bowl started lagging, like, all right, who it's like trying to round up, you know, like round up support to see if we could actually make this happen. But um I mean, Army, one of their best teams since literally World War II, Appalachian State, came from FCS, the best team at that level, but still came from FCS and very quickly turned into one of the best teams in FBS. To me, that's at least as amazing as UCF's story. UCF has been here for a while. Um, Appalachian State, not exactly Central Florida resources. Um, I thought App State was very quietly one of the best stories of the season. Should have finished the year ranked. He could give their coach to Louisville and, you know, should still be fine going forward, return a ton. I'm going to give App State a team of the year honors since I had Army as a game of the year. I like it. Yeah, they also play, you know, like they played – Scott Satterfield's team plays, uh, played in a, a charming stadium if you've never been there. Like it's bucolic. It is. It is. It is tiny, and they sell with a capital colic. And they sell homemade fried pies and the concession stand. So thumbs up all around for Appalachian State. They play North Carolina next year, and that has high problematic potential. I feel like for Mac. He's a former App State coach. Like week four. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I know North Car- I know North Carolina lost to them, but you know what? A little bit of Mac still in that program. My DNA is still there. So Mac, <laughs> Mac Brown really only lost to Mac Brown tonight. You know, I like to say once a program is on stable footing, it remains as such until uh, a coach who is not Mac Brown comes along. But sometimes other coaches are able to carry on the legacy. They play South Carolina too. Didn't recognize that. Well, that would be four to five. Yeah. Mac, Mac Brown's going to be picking up the mess that Larry Fedora left and ruined after several other coaches ruined Mac Brown's solid footing. So everything Mac Brown is building on is, in fact, something Mac Brown has already built. Yeah. Holly, did you have a team of the year besides, like, I guess, besides West Virginia? I'm too upset at listening to Matt Brown's DNA, frankly, <laughs> uh, to process such a thing, but I appreciate your consideration. Texas it is. 